0: G'day and welcome to the Fly Fisher Podcast. Since 1967, we've been spreading the bug of fly fishing. Join us as we celebrate the fun of fly fishing and chat with characters that enjoy it as much as we do. Whether you're just starting out or have some experience, we hope our ego-free commentary helps demystify fly fishing and inspires you to visit new places and try new techniques.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Fly Fishers Podcast. Today we've decided to sit down and interrogate Andrew Fuller. Andrew is the owner of the Flyfisher and is one of the biggest celebrity fly fishers in Australia. He is an absolute gear freak and oozes knowledge about the best fishing destinations both locally and worldwide. Andrew has fished rivers in Greenland for giant arctic char all the way to the pristine lakes of Tasmania for cunning brown trout. One will be hard pressed to find a piece of water that Andrew has not fished or does not have intimate knowledge of. Andrew has also starred in various fly fishing films such as Leviathan, showing off his angling ability wrestling 100 plus pound tarpon. This is Andrew's 11th year of owning the fly fisher and 18th year of working within the industry. To say he loves it would be an understatement. So today we've decided to sit down and tap into his wealth of knowledge, hear some rousing stories and hopefully get a laugh out of him. Welcome Andrew. Thanks, Peter.
0: One of the biggest fly fishing celebrities. You have to cut that
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon some people would have some things to oh, say about that. They?
0: Bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, high praise from one of our staff here, <laughs> <laughs> the fly fisher. <laughs> Clearly, it's different when he's got a microphone in front of him and he has to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you, mate. That's very kind. Um, and yeah, I guess. For me, it's just always been that passion for fly fishing since day one, and and it remains true to this day.
1: Yeah. So, what was day one? When did you
0: start fishing? Um, fly fishing. Fly yeah, fly fishing. fishing. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I'm pretty sure I was. How old was I? I think I was 11. Got my first fly fishing outfit when I was 11. I was already mad keen general fishing by that point, um, and I had a really good family friend mentor which, uh, you know, w- was mum and dad's friends. And they, they were great at really fostering that kind of interest that I had in fishing early days. And so, you know, Daniloquin being a pretty small community and, and you know, mum and dad having a very close-knit friend group, uh, I guess, led to me getting a connection with uh, Richard Seavers is his name, if he's ever listening, you know, (laughs) I, I, I owe a lot to, to him, you know, like he, he certainly helped me early days, just getting into it. Uh, you know, I remember practicing nail knots with him and practicing casting and, you know, I think once I'd sort of got the gear and, um, and just had so much interest, I was absorbing it from every angle that I possibly could. And, Of course, as a kid, you've got time on your hands. So I was out on our nature strip out the front of the house, practicing casting just nonstop to the point of my parents thinking that I was just mad, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're all a bit mad when it comes to fly fishing, I think.
0: And I was bloody lucky to have a mum and dad that, despite how weird they might have thought it was, uh, they still did everything they could to support that passion. Um, They're both golfers and definitely not into fishing, but that's the fortunate childhood I had and the kind of parents that mum and dad are.
1: Yeah, obviously you grew up in Denny, very proud of that. Um, Good and Denny, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think of Denny as a fly fishing destination, so how did you overcome that
0: yeah. sort of aspect of it? Very true. Um, that's not, uh, there's very little fly fishing opportunity there. You know, the the river's pretty slow flowing and, and fly fishing for cod, I don't reckon was really feasible when I was a kid. You know, now I, I, I think the Edward, well, it's in flood now, so who's who's to say what? is going to be in in years to come. But it was, uh, the cod fishing just wasn't good enough to sustain a a fly fishing, you know, kind of idea there. It just, they were so few and far between. Even fishing conventionally, they'd rarely turn up. Um, So for me, it was holidays with mum and dad. Um, We used to go up to Threadbow some summers. And so the Threadbow River was really where I started to spend more time with the fly rod. Um, but that didn't stop me from doing the, the practice casting and all that external stuff that you can do in fly fishing when you're not actually on the water. And I think maybe that's really what engaged me, the things like fly tying and practicing casting and all that that theory-based stuff that, that you could do off the water.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember a question I asked you not that long ago is when you are at boarding school, how did you fish? What did you do?
0: Yeah, that was pretty good because they had a, a camp up near Mansfield um, so we were going up there uh, for you know the odd sort of weekend or exit up there with with the boarding house and so there was was some opportunity to, to keep going with it there and all the same all the while I was practicing my casting as well while I was at school so um, whilst I'd, I maybe didn't have the freedoms and the access to, to good fly fishing um, there was enough of it to, to keep me engaged
1: yeah yeah and tying flies and things like that too it's it's really fly fishing is really a sport you don't have to be fishing all the time and you're still involved in it
0: exactly and you know for me it's always been that that level of obsession that i haven't actually been able to throw or get so distracted from that it's not front of mind you know maybe that's a little obsessive to say but you know i've had a lot of exciting things happen in my life but i can honestly say that fly fishing has always been front of mind (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, And maybe that's led to, to where I am today at the fly fisher. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think at, draws you to it? Like what drives that obsession?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly. It's always, I think fishing starts with a bit of a fascination of fish. Yeah. Um, I'm happy looking at water constantly looking for fish, observing, I guess the natural world around me and, um, so that's got to be a big stepping stone part into it, I think. Um, but it's probably just that the book of fly fishing is a 1,000 pages long and you never get past page 10 no. you know, in any lifetime. You're just not going to get there. It's, uh, there's constantly something new to learn, uh, a new observation, and I think that's, that's why it, just, it gets under your skin and becomes so obsessive.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. One thing I noticed stepping into the industry, how much it changes so quickly.
0: It like, does, yeah. It's yep.
1: r- it's really, really crazy.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, the, the gear side of it for me has been a, a equally exciting as the technique side. You know, I think um, as new gear comes out, it really pushes the boundaries and what we can achieve with a fly rod. Um, that trip to costa rica in leviathan that you mentioned earlier that that that's a case in point you know like these are fish that aren't really designed to be caught on a fly rod and it's deep water there so it's particularly yeah. challenging for fish of that size um in shallow water where you can put side pressure on like in the keys that's a, a easier way to stop those fish they jump and they tie fairly fairly quickly in shallow water but in deep water it's a, it's a different story so yeah i think that that in itself you know the gear um really pushing the envelope with with fly fishing and it and it constantly evolving is exciting
1: yeah that i watched leviathan the other week and that looked insane just that it's literally doing battle with another animal you look animal. at me uh,
0: a whole lot differently after having seen that film I yeah that. and also you what <laughs> with was a that? lot more adoration yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: And also maybe a bit more Denny in you being from about ten years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was a little bit younger then. Yeah, you shows me that footage were. actually. Yeah. Oh shit, I've aged. Yeah. No longer no longer the young guy in the industry. No. <laughs> <laughs> All that shit I used to get away with being the young bloke now I can't.
1: Um, so yeah, Leviathan, is that one of the highlights of your sort of
0: That look, Nick Ragart has been an, an unbelievable connection for me in in fly fishing and and certainly i guess in an industry sense as well um, he's just a hell of a good guy and he's a creative you know like his fly fishing films and his, his um, fly fishing film festival were cutting edge you know that's where the industry was kind of uh going and obviously today we're seeing video content everywhere um but nick was there at the very beginning you know like he, he is an innovator um but probably more than anything he is uh i would say next level fly fisher on me like he he's just uh, he's all about uh going that extra mile really working hard for fish uh getting into less accessible places um and putting the time in you know and and Nick's kind of structured his life in a way where he is able to put the time in and develop his ability to fly fish um, I've been, I guess, more preoccupied in trying to run a fly fishing business in what is a, a, an increasingly competitive space. Um, and so I've been, I guess, equally committed to developing my fly fishing as, as well as the fly fisher as a business.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that um, there is a bit of a difference between running a retail store and running a media Outlet, which is what Nick runs, obviously.
0: Yeah, for sure. But and don't get me wrong, like when Nick's got got the camera, he's not fishing. He, no. he's committed to the cause and he has an uncanny ability to capture the moment. Um just hitting the record button once. You know, he's not a guy that's taking thousands of hours of footage and then cutting it down to twenty minutes. He when when he hits that record button, you know it's gonna be gold and it'll be in the end product. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool skill.
1: Yeah, definitely. But working at the fly fisher and owning it obviously has allowed you to do some pretty awesome travel
0: yeah. yourself too. Yeah, it has, and you know, it, look the the real benefit to working in the fly fishing industry, and I, I you know I I say this quite a lot, and it, all my trips are a tax deduction. You know, <laughs> um, and it really does make a difference, and I say this genuinely. So if the tax office is ever auditing me, <laughs> now it's recorded, but. Um the the knowledge and skill base that I've developed from those trips um is what makes a big part of what makes the fly fisher what it is today. The other big part of what what makes the fly fisher what it is today is guys like you. You know, our, our team is different. You know, like we we all have that passion for fly fishing. Uh we all connect as mates as much as we do, you know, working in the shop. So um that, that's the other, I guess, secret ingredient that we've got. But um I digress there. Where were we?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get onto to your uh travel history and
0: yeah <laughs> experience. Um what Yeah, so you know, even things like uh knots oh, is a bad example, but certainly flies, um techniques and talking to people and having a familiarity familiarity with a destination that someone might be going, no matter how far flung yeah. it might be. Um that, that kind of knowledge base is not easy to find for someone on the other side of the counter that's that's looking for that knowledge and, and, and information and kind of confidence. You know, like I know what it's like to go to a new destination feeling a little bit green, not knowing what to expect. Um, and sometimes, no matter how much you scour the internet and ask people, uh, getting the information you desire is actually really hard and you need that to... Arrive there with the right gear, feeling confident and ready to to hit the water. You know,
1: yeah. Confidence is really everything. It and is. There's one way to gain confidence, and I really think that is getting out there and fishing as much yeah. as you can.
0: Yeah. And look, the stuff you can't you can't bullshit it. You know, like it's kind of unless you've you've been there. It's uh, yeah. It, look, to a certain degree, if you've caught that species, you can prepare someone to catch that same species anywhere else in the world. Um, but when it comes to, to the destination and understanding the destination, that's that's gold information that you can offer.
1: Yeah, definitely. What's been some of the highlight destinations for you?
0: Oh, you know, I, th- these, these questions of, of like, you know, your favourite destination, your favourite form of fly fishing, I've always struggled with those sorts of questions. Um, they're all good. Uh, probably it, there's one destination I did become quite, obsessed by and that was Los Rockers in Venezuela um you know anyone who's watched A River somewhere with Rob Sitch and Tom Gleisner will recognize that destination um that was uh I obviously saw that footage and then um and had spoken to a couple of of customers that had been there and yeah so it was it was quickly on my radar I think I sort of looked at it and thought oh, I may like for the I guess the culture and just the place, you know, like the um the posadas which are just the little h- hotels on the water, they're all painted in funky colors and um it just it looked so uh so different to anything else that I'd seen. Um and so yeah, that that was one I convinced my now wife Lauren uh, that we should go there on a North America trip. Um, So we made a detour after North America to Los Rockers in Venezuela. Uh, We went through Caracas and it was sketchy then. It's even more sketchy now. And it's probably going to be off the radar for a long time, Los Rockers, if, you know, possibly forever, which is really, really sad. Um, But we spent a week together there. Um, Fishing was amazing. Uh, My wife, Lauren, will tell you that the, the midges eating you in the mangroves was <laughs> <laughs> maybe not great when I, you know, put her on the boat for the day and, and made her put up with that holding a camera for me. Um, but, yeah, look, the, the place, is the general setup was they'd load an esky and an umbrella into the boat and drop you off on a remote island you know, and you'd have the place to yourself for the day. Like to me, it was just the ultimate couples destination um, because the beaches were just that stunning. You'd never get sick of being in those spots, um, and I was free to just walk the walk the beaches, walk the flats, and and catch as many bonefish as I liked. Um, the bone fishing there is quite unique because they feed on minnows readily. Um, so the gummy minnow was the the fly that wow. really that came on the scene. Because of Los Rocas, yeah, well, really, yeah, that fly was like the ultimate minnow pattern um, at Los Rocas, and everything works. You know, the little clouds work equally well, I think. But, um, but yeah, the, the the minnows and the the volume of minnows in that fishery is pretty unique, and the the bonefish have evolved to yeah. to feed on them. So you're getting them feeding in a completely different way than what you might if you were fishing the flats of Christmas Island, for yeah. example. Um, so that uh so yeah had a week there then had to get back um so I actually hosted uh three groups into there um two years later two years after that so um we had I think 16 total anglers fly over there with me um back-to-back trips and so in total I've spent more than a month in Los Rockers, wow. which you know in reflection I haven't spent that kind of duration of time anywhere else except for Tasmania so um yeah they're, they're, it, I got to understand the fishery really really well and uh you know the the kind of relationships that I developed with the guides over there was really cool as well um and they're they've, they're fishy you know like yeah you know they're obviously doing a job and they've probably fallen into that job just because yeah. they're in that place yeah but man they're, they're keen and they know yeah yeah um yeah, one of them, uh, his name was Carlos, and he, he can cast a fly rod like I've never seen. The amount of line speed that he could generate and the, the tightness of his loops was... Crazy? Absolutely scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With any year, you know, he yeah. could pick up any rod and do the same thing. Uh, but, yeah, the tarpon fishing there is good too. Yeah. So the tarpon come in at certain times of year and feed on the minnows. I actually hooked a big tarpon off a jetty um, yeah. at Los Rockers. Uh, so th- that was pretty cool. You know, yeah. not many people have hooked tarpon off land-based. dry land. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, yeah, I can say that I have hooked one, but I didn't land it. Yeah. No, that wouldn't <laughs> be the easiest fish to land. Uh, no, land-based. yeah, and you've got boats with moorings yeah. all over the place there. And so, yeah, it, it was met with difficulty. But, um, yeah, that 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 would be one of the better trips that I've done. I've done Cuba as well. Uh, I've done Argentina, Um I've done a bit through North America. I've done Alaska. I've been around, you know. Yeah. I and I, I I, generally don't go back to the same place twice. I will. I want to, yeah. you know. But I also like seeing, exploring, exploring, and it, yeah, getting that next destination ticked off.
1: Yeah. What about a freshwater destination? Because I feel like we hear out fly fishing destinations as saltwater yeah. destinations because, you know, I think that's the pinnacle of fly fishing, saltwater fly fishing. But, you know, fly fishing was born in freshwater.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so Montana was a big one for me. I, I wanted to do that and just uh, experience the fly fishing culture over there more than the fishing. I think, you know, New Zealand, you can't discount just how good that is. Yeah. Like, where. We're lucky to be so close and have that so accessible because there, there really is no better trout fishing in the world than New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> like it is insane. Um, Alaska might come close, uh, and Patagonia is obviously good, um, but I don't think it's at the same the same sort of level yeah. of New Zealand. So trout fishing and freshwater fishing wise, I do think it's uh, you know, those freshwater trips are, should be equally on the on the radar of people, um, and steelhead, you know, like. Sea-run rainbow trout fight like a saltwater fish in in, in freshwater. You know, yeah. um, they are hot, like, as far yeah. as, you know, just sheer power. Um, they're a species that has to be experienced. I haven't experienced Atlantic salmon yet, yeah. um, but I believe that they're much the same, being an anadromous fish. Um, and, yeah, there's just – there is a lot in freshwater when you think about it, you know, like your Dorado, your peacock bass, um, and, yeah, I think – Probably more so now, the more predatory freshwater fish are becoming uh, as appealing as anything you can do yeah. in saltwater.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Murray Cod, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, locally in Australia? Yeah. Fishing destinations? Um, I Well, I've got a soft spot for Tasmania. I bought a shack down there about 10 years ago and I make a real effort to try and get down there every season. Um, the, that's the closest thing we have to like Craig in Montana, as far as like, you know, a bit of fly fishing culture, everyone there, the community there, they're there for one reason and that's fly fishing. Um, I do love the social life down there as well. I, you know, I think after a big day's fishing, having a few beers and talking about it and talking shit and, (laughs) um, the dinner parties are great. So that, that aspect of it I love as well. Um, but more than anything, it's the accessibility to so much fishing. And in the Central Highlands, you're, you can fish the whole state as, as a day trip, you know. Um, yeah. it just You're right in the middle and you can access any corner of it. Um, so I've only scratched the surface there and I've done a lot of days in Tassie now and I still feel like there's so many more new places to explore. Last year was an interesting one. I didn't get to spend nearly as much time down there as I wanted to, but with the conditions in the central Highlands being particularly tough, it did force me to look at more new places. And if anything, I had probably a more successful season as, as a result of that. Yeah. You know, it's amazing being pushed out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, it, it really does put you onto some good water that you otherwise might not experience.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um I recently read in an article you wrote work and family are inadvertently prioritised, but you don't let the opportunity to live out your fly fishing dreams pass you by. How do you find balancing the two possible? Cause <laughs> you love Lauren dearly <laughs> and the fly fish are almost equally as much.
0: No, no Lauren definitely reigns supreme there. Um, yeah, look, I look, we we don't have children, and so I I'm, I am able to to commit probably more time to my fishing than most people uh, have the luxury to, um, and I, I we joke about it regularly. But one of my sayings is no regrets, you know. And I've never let an opportunity in fly fishing or in life for that matter pass through the fingertips, you know. I think uh, it's you got to know when there's something good on offer, and. Yeah bloody take it, put both hands around it and grab it. Yeah. <laughs> and so my fly fishing has always been like that. You know, if there's an opportunity to, to fish with someone that I, I find interesting and I think I can learn from, um, then I jump at it. Yeah. Um, and same with getting to a destination. It's the same sort of story. But yeah, look, Lauren has been uh, incredibly supportive and understanding of my uh, addiction of fly fishing and business. Um, and she has her own interests too, and that helps. Um, you know, she's got zero interest in fly fishing, but she has her own interests and she she's I guess equally committed to spending yeah, time good. on that stuff. So that that helps in a big way, I think. Um, and also she's not one to pretend. she has a harshness about her that i love (laughs) um so yeah she's not gonna uh say that she wants to do something unless she does genuinely want to do it and and that i respect in a big way too but um, we spend a lot of time with each other and and uh never get sick of it
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah no that's uh i think not having kids is definitely allowed that the most,
0: yeah, it's a it's a topic of discussion. That's a bit of a, a hard one to have these days. I think there's still a uh, a uh, white picket fence starting a family mentality in this country that um, will probably be the same forever. Um, I don't. I've never been someone that's desired starting a family, and I, I guess I've been uh, lucky enough to find a, a wife that we we agree on pretty much everything in that respect. And when we got married, it was like, oh, you know. Uh, maybe one day like if one of us decides okay we really want to have kids well then we'll do it um but that day hasn't come and i don't think it will um and yeah i'm sure you know in 10 20 years time i'll probably live with that uh slight regret that maybe we didn't do it um but i think that we'll we will live such fulfilled lives um with our interests that um that will outweigh the, the the fact that we haven't had children, you know. And I've got uh, nieces and nephews and I, 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 I love that I can borrow kids. <laughs> <laughs> you can give them back at the yeah, end of the day, though. Yeah, because kids are fun. I love kids. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I also like the freedom that not having them has. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's... Um Yeah, it is a lot of freedom (laughs) and it's something I'm a bit nervous (laughs) about for the future.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I would never talk anyone out of having children, um, but I think there needs to be maybe more recognition of of people that, well, A, can't have kids and and B, just don't need them or want them.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, This is diverting a bit away from what we just spoke about, but what do you want to achieve with your fly fishing? like where do you want to go next?
0: Yeah, I don't know, that's a good one, like um, there is no end road for me, and I don't think there is an end road in fly fishing, it's not like you can get to destination, there's always, you know, you just keep driving.
1: Yeah, that's right, (laughs) wherever the road takes you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Um, so look, it's a big world out there, there's always going to be another destination to experience uh, with gear constantly evolving uh, and retail constantly evolving, I don't think I'll ever really get sick of doing what I'm doing here at the Fly Fisher you know I love I love retailing and I I love fly fishing and I think that's why it works for me Um, and yeah so I I don't see myself getting tired or slowing down anytime soon Um, I'm definitely going to get to a point where I maybe uh, spend a little less time at work and more time fishing Um, and part of the, I guess, my little investment in my shack down in there in my Mm -hmm. area is to be able to do that down there. I do, as I said, have a soft spot for Tassie and and love being able to get down there. Um, So, yeah, that'll probably be the first thing that I do.
1: Yeah, good, good stuff. <laughs> and your gap year at 40, you're pretty excited for that one too. Geez, <laughs> <laughs> that's coming around quick, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. You've already two weeks away from it I'm or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the gap year is still, you know, something I'm working towards. Um, and how that might look, I'm not sure. I haven't gone to the effort of planning it out. But I think, you know, 12 months out, I'm not... 39 yet mate so (laughs) calm down (laughs) uh yeah 12 months out i'll certainly put pen to paper and and plan out a bit of an itinerary and catch up with some some good friends that are scattered around the world and fish with them and and um yeah just continue i guess leading that that fly fishing life that has been so good to me today
1: yeah that's it um another one like you've been a great mentor to all of us in the shop and we've all followed your great advice. Some of it's great.
0: <laughs> not all of it's not great. Not all of it's I, great. I'm very human.
1: <laughs> mm. um, but what advice do you have for new fly fishermen or people just getting into it from a not a fly fishing retailer perspective?
0: Um, my advice is you need to want to learn. Like um, I, I think so many... So, how do I say this without sounding like a dick. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like if you think you know it all, uh, you don't know shit. (laughs) You know, like the, yeah, I I love um, the real good fly fishers have a natural, they're inquisitive. No matter how experienced someone is, they want to know their fly fishing experience because they know they can learn from it. Philip Weigel's a great example of that. Another guy that's been a a really great mentor and a a supporter of the fly fisher. Um, He, he, you know, when you're chatting with him, he is just equally as absorbed and frothing on it as he was since day one. Um, And that's, they're the kind of anglers that are good for that exact reason. You know, like they're, they're hungry to learn. So if you're getting into fly fishing, just, don't lose that hunger you never know it all Um, and that is the beauty of what we're doing um and you don't know who you're talking to as well you know like um sometimes that you'll be talking to someone and you'll think you'll know a whole lot more than they do uh but you don't um and we see that every day in here so it's a little bit different but quite often the guys on the other side of the counter know a shitload more than we do you know they might have uh They might spend uh two months of the year traveling the world searching for steelhead um you know they they might have fished the seychelles 10 times uh they might have they might fish weeper three times a year you know like they're the these guys have, have had the rod in their hand and they're doing these trips more than we could maybe ever hope to achieve um and so you just can't judge a judge a book by its cover and and you've got to be thirsty to learn from anyone from all walks of life and, and from anyone that fly fishes.
1: Yeah, definitely. You touched on mentors just then, Philip Weigel being one. Who else has been influential?
0: Yeah, good. I'm glad you asked that because there's a few, you know, like, um, it, it, look, everyone I fish with, um, but the uh, the best one I think would have to be Jim Allen. Um, you know, I, when I started working at the Fly Fisher, he was the, the owner and, um, and he, he's he been a great mentor in life in business and in my fly fishing um like you wouldn't believe really like you know he's um yeah he's just one of those 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 guys that's got a generosity of spirit and and uh oh look you know like the trips we've done together down down to tassie have always been fun you know he does um enjoy i guess having a young bloke on board that he can talk shit with you know Jim <laughs> Jim's a young old bloke
1: he really is yeah. yeah yeah
0: anyone that's come in contact with Jim can can say that um and he maintains that sort of youthful enthusiasm i think by surrounding him, himself by young younger people than he is um and yeah you know like he financed me into this business um and I bought it off him um yeah what did you say 10 years ago 11 years ago yeah 11 matter. years i think yeah um which is a really generous thing to do you know um and look he he's kind of been there i guess since the beginning um to make sure that there there you know was a a job in in fly fishing for me um he did he definitely did try and talk me out of it at one point you know because retailing is hard um and particularly fly fishing retailing you're not going to do it if you want to be earning you know two Billions. three four five hundred grand a year he, he was like if you want to do that you've got to go and get a commerce de- degree and then piss off and do something else you know was his exact words um look I, i've been able to make a, a good living out of fly fishing so far um the industry is growing and I uh, you know we all of us are the beneficiary of that um but uh, I think he's right to this day. You know, trying to make money out of retail and trying to make money out of fly fishing is a particularly difficult thing. That, unless you are passionate about the fly fishing, then you. You're never going to make it in this space. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, but you kind of need equal parts. You need equal passion for, for business as you do uh, a passion for fly fishing. Um, but, yeah, Jim, he's, just, he's always been there. Um, I still uh, chat with him every week. Um, when he's in town, we, we have breakfast. Um, yeah, he, he's just a, a hell of a good bloke. And, and I hope that when I get to his age, I've got the same passion for fly fishing that he does.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, any other mentors?
0: um well springs to mind i think you know even just my fly fishing mates like there's of which there's numerous like all of them are kind of mentors in a way you know some of them have an ability better than mine and some of them an ability that that might not be quite up to my standard but um I, i do learn from all of them and i love fishing with them and they're great um i'm pretty harsh with my fly fishing mates, so i don't tend to fish with with people i don't like if if i can't have a few beers with you at the end of the the day then you know i'm probably not gonna sign up to go fishing with you um so yeah look they're 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 really close kind of lifelong mates that i've got in fly fishing and they're all all a mentor to, to a certain degree
1: yeah definitely um you said the industry is growing. How big is it going to grow? How big is it going to get?
0: This, this question's been bandied around a lot, you know, yeah. like how big is it? How big will it get? Um, nobody knows. Nobody yeah. actually has the figures. It's not like, you know, um, I guess certain retail sectors where they know exactly how much money is being spent, but we just don't have that information. I, I, I think, you know, outdoor pursuits in general on the back of COVID, everything's kind of, you know, really grown to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, I know when you go up to the Golden these days, not when it's in flood, obviously, but <laughs> there's a, a few cars at every, every yeah. you know, turnout. So it's um, there's more people fishing. I think that's probably the, the biggest indicator is just when you go fishing and you see that traffic on the water, um, you know, maybe maybe we've been doing too good a job.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and and that, that is actually something that I consider... You know, like I I, I want people to uh, recognize that we do have an impact on the environment and the fisheries that we're fishing. Um, and I want them to to enjoy it and be out there in a responsible kind of way. Catch and release is an obvious part of that. Um, I I'm I'm really I've come around to barbless hooks in a big way. I just think that there's a whole lot less impact on the fish with barbless. Yeah. Um Euro nymphing is so productive, obviously, and so people are going to be catching bigger numbers of fish. Um, so I think we have a real responsibility to make sure that those fish that we are catching uh, are released in a in a in quickly, you know, yeah. in a way that they're going to recover easily. Um, I'm super passionate about the protection of wild trout in Australia as well. Um, a lot of people don't know it, but our our fish, you know, have mostly been they haven't been fucked with, you know. Like <laughs> other, other parts of the world, they've, you know, they've been stocking for so long and recycling broodstock yeah. for so long that there's been a narrowing of the genetic integrity of the fish. And it's, you know, uh, our fish in Australia have have adapted wildly. Like, you know, when you consider the temperature spikes that they experience in our rivers through summer, they should be dead. Yeah, you know, but they're not. Um, yeah. They've adapted, you know. Um, so there needs to be more recognition for the quality of fish that we're lucky enough to enjoy here in Australia rather than the quantity. Uh, stocking isn't always the answer.
1: No, definitely. And you see places like America now and even New Zealand are suffering from fishing pressure a lot. Yeah, But I think we're really lucky within the fly fishing community. Conservation is at the forefront of almost everyone's minds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We, I think you're right. We've, we've been, I guess, early adopters in that, 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 Line of thinking, yep. um, man, it needs to continue. So so much we can oh, do. so much work to do. Yeah, yeah. um, you know, like the, the and it's the small things. You you know, uh, anyone that that shops with us knows that when the uh, the gear arrives in a package, for instance, if they've shopped online, it's it's you know, ninety nine percent recycled or recyclable material. Yeah, you know, the, these are, 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 are decisions that we don't take lightly, and they cost us. They cost money, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> they do. Yeah. Um but I think every business has a responsibility to to do the right thing in this day and age. Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. Um, Anything you want to mention? I feel like I've been firing questions at you all day. No. Nothing you don't
0: want to... Do you want us to... do you want to tell us your story, mate? My story about fishing. Fly fishing celebrity Peter Panopoulos. <laughs> no, far from it. Far um, from it. Yeah, look, the we we've had a, a, a great run at the fly fisher, and and every new staff member that we bring on board um brings something to the party, and and uh, you know Peter, the podcast is a is a, a big big thing that you brought to the business and it has helped people engage with us and the fly fishing community in in a way that we never really anticipated or expected Um, but the the thing that makes us so good is that we are a family you know like we uh, we look out for each other um, and we are committed to um, our customers
1: definitely that's
0: it you know like we 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 want to help them with their fly fishing journey first and foremost um yeah we're here to sell gear and we want to make sure that people walk out with the best gear that they can afford um and that their their fly fishing experiences are good yeah um but yeah it really that that's the thing like a great team is what we've got and um that's something that i'm really proud of you know you guys are uh i guess yeah the, the way you can work together and uh the way you realize that the the fly fisher is far more than andrew fuller it's far more than peter Bonopolis. It, it this is something that we've we've built and we've done it together um is something that i think is, is really cool
1: and i think that extends beyond the fly fisher too like i don't think in the fly fishing community i've run into someone on a river or something that's not happy to stop for a chat or share some tips and like you said you've got the fly fishing community down in Tazzy and even globally to montana um it's a really good supportive community isn't it it is yeah
0: no that's a that's a good point yeah like we we're, we're all a bit weird aren't we you Yeah. Know, like we we've like got throwing a throwing feathers at fish. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a very niche little hobby yeah. and yeah when you've got a connection with someone that also shares that hobby it, it is cool and it's not just a two minute conversation it's always a 20 minute conversation yeah um so yeah you're right everyone's very generous at sharing their knowledge and and very friendly and forthcoming on the water um and that's unique to fly fishing you don't get that as much in conventional fishing no way um there's a bit more of a competitive mindset i think on the surface that's how it seems to me anyway but um yeah i I love that's the other thing i love how different fly fishing is to conventional fishing yeah you know like what we do is, is and you couldn't really have a business like this in in conventional fishing no way. it's just it's different yeah. Um, but yeah look the the support of the the greater fly fishing community is unbelievable and that's how we've been able to to survive and prosper and long may it continue
1: definitely I think that's a good note to leave it on for today.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for interviewing Australia's biggest fly fishing celebrity. (laughs) Arguably, (laughs) Australia's biggest fly fishing celebrity.
1: (laughs) Until the next episode, guys, stay tuned. Catch you later.